welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, our vision for the year is take ground. And I love this vision. I love that I shared it early on in the year. And uh, something I started a few years ago is to recharge it a few times during the year uh, because there's a saying, I don't know who came up with it, but they said, vision leaks. It just leaks. You cast vision and then it kind of leaks. And I know that take ground is kind of around us, but I want to refocus us on it and say like, come on, we're ready to take ground. And as a church, we're moving forward. And I'm going to look at two different passages today, one in the Old Testament, one in the New. Uh, the Old Testament one will be in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and then the New Testament one will be in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, we're going to be talking about take ground. So Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, it says this, if you wait until the wind and the weather are just right, you will never plant anything and never harvest anything. When I read that verse, it, it, it just jumped out to me. And it was, it was just like, that's a take ground verse. Like, when is the best time? And people say, when's the best time? When is it gonna be perfect? When it's perfect, we'll do it. And I'm waiting for the perfect time. And I understand that there's best times, good times, okay times. But how many know many times it's like, it's time, let's go, let's go. But there are, there are best times. And um, we, I coach people with church planting and very excited to be able to do this. And you may not realize this church, but you've been a part of this. Um, we have been supporting two church planning movements, the Association of Related Churches, that's called ARC. And through them, we started 1,077 churches. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. In 20 years, 1,077, okay. But we also give about the same amount annually to another group called the Church Multiplication Network, and they have started 4,663 churches in that time. It's amazing. You say, wow, 1,000 or 4,000. So there are different strategies. One says we want you to launch large, and the other one says we'll launch you wherever you want to go. And uh, so some of them launch really small in the other one. But hey, together, over 5,740 churches. And we tell them the best time to launch a church is in the fall or at Easter. Those are the best times. You know, you kind of got when the school calendar and you go fall all the way through or Easter, start then and launch. So there actually is a, a really good time. During COVID, there were still people that were launching churches through those organizations. And uh, whether it was in the peak of COVID or coming out of it, we were still moving forward and taking ground and planting churches. And I do want to say this, because when you think about it, we started our Maple Grove campus really during COVID. We started it during COVID as it was just, you know, of course it was kind of waning, but it was still going on. We we're still very aware of what was going on. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to let you know that the Maple Grove campus has been averaging 365 people every weekend meeting in the Whirly Ball. Yeah, it was a fun place to start and I'm glad we're not finishing there uh, at the Whirly Ball. Uh, because I wanna make an uh, announcement here that we just closed on Friday on 5.2 acres of land for the Maple Grove campus. We're taking ground, we're moving forward. So we're looking for uh, this just take ground attitude, this take ground spirit. And, and you know, when something's our vision for the year, I'm looking for it all the time. And I found 
a story that inspired me that lines up with Ecclesiastes 11.4. And this is a story about a man by the name of Sir Robert Shirley. He was a, a committed Christian, an Anglican in England. And during the time that he lived, uh, England was in a civil war from 1642 to 1651. And during this time, um, Sir Robert Shirley is the only one, he built the only church in all of England during that time frame. So you imagine, like a 10-year period. I just talked about 5,000 churches being started in the, la you know, in the last 20 years. Think about it. In this time of England, no church is being started, and Sir Robert Shirley starts um, the, the only church that happens in that time frame. And I think we have a picture of it. We could throw it up on the screen. You'll see it right here. Yeah, that's the church that he built. And he built it on his own land and said, I'm building this, this I'm, I'm building the church. I'm gonna make this happen. And so he does this. And when he does this, Oliver Cromwell, who was leading England at the time says, well, if, if him and his friends have so much money that they can build a church, I'm gonna make them pay for a ship for the Navy. That's what he said, because he's so upset that they're building the church. Isn't that amazing? They're upset. And then how many know times haven't changed much? When we bought the Aria, remember? When we bought the Aria during COVID, people just blew up. They're like, oh, I can't believe, where did they find $10 million? Well, we didn't find 10. We found three through Kingdom Builders, financed the rest, but people were upset. And they're like, oh, if, if the church has that much money to buy such a cool building, we should tax them. They're, they're all upset. They can't say a Navy ship, but they're like, you see, it hasn't changed. But this guy, in the midst of this civil war, he's like, I'm gonna build a church. I'm gonna take the time and we're gonna do this. And, and the inscription at the church says this, in the year of 1653, when all things sacred were throughout the nation, either demolished or profaned, Sir Robert Shirley Baronet founded this church whose singular praise is to have done the best things in the worst times and hope them in the most calamitous. The righteous shall be had in everlasting remembrance. In the worst time, they're saying like civil wars going on. People are profaning the things of God, attacking the things of God. And Sir Robert Shirley says, I'm building a church. That's a take ground church. That's a take ground church, and that's the way we wanna be. I know I've been preaching about culture clash, and people are saying like, oh man, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's dark, it's bad, it's evil, it's bad, and it almost felt defeated in the last couple of weeks. Hey, we're planting churches and buying land and moving forward in the darkest times. We're taking ground. Ecclesiastes said, like, if you wait till it's perfect, you're never gonna do it. It's always time to take ground for the Lord. And I, and I remember back during COVID and I, I can't remember exactly what sermon it was, but I said I was upset that we weren't sending global teams. And I said, when it's safe, we'll send global teams. Some of you remember that. I said, when it's safe, we'll send global teams again. And then I stopped and I said, it's never been safe. It's never been safe. Like, Okay, when it's safe, when we get the clearance, we're going. When we get the clearance, we're going because it's never been safe. And I said, when it's clear enough or safe, we're going. 
We're not gonna wait for perfect conditions to finally send people on global teams. So we pivoted and we said, we're gonna do uh, uh, you know, the, the teams, virtual teams. And we did those for a while. And then as soon as we could open up and send people out, we're like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And in 2023, we have 65 global teams with 44 in person. And in 2024, we're planning 80 global teams with 56 in person. Take ground, take ground. We're not just gonna stay back and, and wait for it to be perfect. And I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say to his disciples, like when it's safe enough, you can go. When it's perfect, you can go. All he said is, hey, hey, wait for the high octane. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait till you get that. When you get that, then you go. That's all he said. I'm gonna equip you. I'm gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And when you get that, then you go. And I'm so grateful for that. I think about the life of Jesus. He could have said, hey, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. You know, people that love God are dying. They're dying right now. We probably should delay. If you don't know the story, John the Baptist gets in prison because he calls out Herod and he's like, Herod, you can't commit adultery. You got your brother's wife and you're committing adultery. And, and, and Herod doesn't like that. So he throws John the Baptist in, in prison. And then his wife really doesn't like it. So she asks for him to be beheaded and he dies. And you think about this. This is going on while Jesus is training his disciples. You've got John the Baptist, who is his cousin and who is the forerunner to everything that he's doing. He gets murdered. And Jesus could have just said, guys, it's a bad time. It's a bad time, I'm out, I'm out. This is what Matthew 14 says. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He grieves enough with a boat ride, a little boat ride. And then he's right back into ministry. A lot of us would have said, hey, 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 I got five days bereavement, some PTO. I might tack some vacation onto that. And then we're gonna ease back, we're gonna slow down. People are dying. We're gonna slow down until the, the, it's cooled down a little bit and no more deaths for at least a year. And then he didn't do that. A boat ride, compassion wells up and he's back ministry. It says he was healing them and he was ministering to them and doing this. And, and other things could have derailed them. I mean, just, it's, it's not my message, but when I was studying this, it just jumped out. Like, right after this, the crowd's there and Jesus is like, hey, we should feed them. And the disciples are like, it's too, too many, too many. Like, some of us sometimes with take ground, we're like, it's too big. You heard in the video, 42% of the world has never heard. The other day, Pastor Kirk and I were just musing, we were kind of thinking on it. We said, what's it gonna take to lower that to 41%? And, and we just, the magnitude of 42 to 41, I was like, we almost got overwhelmed and we're like, it's such a huge job. And, and I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't say to his disciples, like, you're right, there's a lot of people. You know, we, we can't feed these guys. You know, just send, send them home. You're right, send them home. No, he's like, watch this. I'm the God that works miracles. And I believe when we're looking at 42% of the world that doesn't know the gospel, we're saying, what can we do to 41? If it was on us, we're in trouble. But we get to go to the miracle working God. And we get to bring him our 500 and the other people that are answering the call. And we say, God, use what we have. We get to give to kingdom builders and inspire other churches to give to kingdom builders and get people on mission. And we get to say, God, like surprise us. 
Because even when we put all of what we have in your hands, it still doesn't look like enough. But will you do the miraculous? That's the God we serve. We take ground all the time and we don't let a, a catastrophe stop us. We don't let the sheer volume stop us. Matter of fact, I was talking to one of our missionaries and he said, I said, what are you worried about right now? What are you concerned about? What are you praying about? And he runs Live Dead Ministry and these are people that have said, we're gonna go to the difficult and dangerous places and we're willing to lay down our life. And he, you know, he said, I've been praying since I started this that when we have our first martyr, we don't stop. He said, I'm praying that when the weather looks bad, when, the, when the, there's a real casualty, that the church back home in America doesn't say, okay, okay, stop, stop, stop. This got serious now. It really happened. He said, will you join with me in praying that we will constantly take ground no matter what the weather, if it's not perfect, if there's storm clouds, if there's martyrs, we're gonna keep moving forward. And I said, our church is committed to that. Our church is committed to that. We're gonna keep moving forward and putting everything we have into the hands of a miracle-working God and say, use what we have for your glory and for your honor. And if we don't, I think we're gonna be disobedient. You know, if we did like, well, you know, it's not perfect, Lord, so I'm just waiting, waiting for perfect. And it's like, no, that's disobedient. And if we wait too long, I think it's really gonna turn into rebellion and we're just gonna be rebellious. We gotta go forward, no matter what it looks like, no matter what's happening in the, the spiritual weather that's going on around us, we're gonna move forward. You know, we're not gonna wait for perfect time, perfect conditions. Our family has a saying about the weather app. Um, you know, you, you, you're making plans, you're like, we're gonna picnic today, or we're gonna go sightseeing. I remember Becca and I were on our 25th anniversary, and we're in Italy, and we're gonna go sightsee that day, and I looked at the weather app, and it was our last day, and I said, Look at that rain all day. Ah, oh. and I said, day's ruined. And then we, she's like, well, let's continue to go on it. We go on the day. It turns out the clouds break. It's a perfect day. You could not have asked for a better day. And, and Becca says to me, she goes, the weather app was made to steal your joy. <laughs> Turn off the weather channel. Turn off the weather app. The weather app was made to steal your joy. And I'm gonna tell you this, if you look at the spiritual weather app and you start looking at MSNBC, CNN, Fox, and you start looking at all the different things on the news and you start looking at all the things and even things going on in our state, the spiritual weather app says, slow down, stop, hunker down, have communion with your friends, stay inside, don't go out. And God's saying, take ground, take ground. Don't let it steal your joy. Don't look at the clouds, look at the cross. Don't look at the wind, catch the spirit. That's what we need to do. And I also think we need to hear stories of victory. And so uh, I wanted to share some of those with you today and I'd, I'll give you one right now and then I got one at the end. Um, recently, I just went to Thailand and, and was able to dedicate a church that you helped build. Now we have a small part, but when it was just a vision and I was there preaching there four years ago, um, it was right before COVID, I was preaching there and this church was so alive and they said, we wanna build, we wanna do a big new building, you know, seven stories tall, six story parking ramp. And you know, I, just, I, I believed in them and I said, we're in, Kingdom Builders is in and we're gonna give money. 
And so we gave money, about $100,000. I said, we're in. Well, it kind of excited the people there in the church. Like, it's in, we can do this. Let's do this, let's go. And God started to use them and other churches and other ministries. And they built an incredible place that I just got to dedicate. We got a picture of it, go ahead and throw it on the screen. Um, A 3,000 seat auditorium. And that LED wall is three times bigger than the one at Apple Valley. It is incredible. I had LED wall envy. I was like, praise God, you're doing better than us, go. And uh, I said, we dedicated that building and it was a joy to see what God is doing in Thailand. You help push that forward because we said, we're gonna take ground. We're gonna do this. We're gonna give. Uh, It's Thailand. It's less than 1% Christian. You could have said, well, it's Buddhist and a lot of people aren't gonna, you know. No, you said, hey, we're gonna take ground. We're gonna do this and we're gonna get this started. And so you need to hear stories like that. And we need to pray. We need to pray and say, God, here's what we have. We put it in your hands and may you do a miracle with it. Now I wanna tell you a take ground with Chaska. We need a miracle right now. We thought we had one venue and that didn't work. And then we had another one that it looked locked down. I mean, we had multiple emails back and forth. Yep, 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 it's yours, it's yours, yours. And then boom, it turned around. No, you can't rent, you're out, gone, bye, no answer. You know, and they ghosted us, like seriously. And so now we're like back to square one, all right? And so we need a miracle for that. And we need to say, God, we're trying to take ground. We put it in your hands and we ask for a miracle. So join with me right now. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we pray for Chaska right now. There's gonna be a site for them and we're gonna see a breakthrough. We take what we have and we put it in your hands. We got a core group of people that wanna go. We got a team of leaders that wanna go. We've raised the money and we just need breakthrough for a place. So God, help us to find the place so we can take ground. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. I believe this. So that was Ecclesiastes. Now we're going to Ephesians 5. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians. I believe Paul wrote Ephesians and it was a circular letter that was going around to all the churches around there. He says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He says, making the most of every, like the days are evil. Paul's saying like, I get it. It's not perfect conditions. It's evil. There's all sorts of evil around us, but we are gonna make the most of every opportunity. We've got a job to do. And again, some of us get so upset that it's dark. And, and, and it's, it's an interesting thing. It's like, we're gonna fight the darkness and fight the things that are bad and wrong in our society, or our culture, or things that in our neighborhood, we're gonna fight that. And then we can't get depressed about it. We gotta stay on mission to take ground, all right? And sometimes when you fight this, it just feels so dark that you just get darkness on you. And I cannot tell you enough, like you need to come in and worship. You need to be part of community and be around other believers with small group and get it. And and as you're fighting this, you gotta come back to home base and get charged up again so you can go out and stay on mission. But stop complaining that it's so dark out there. It's okay to make us aware about it. It's okay to fight it, but it doesn't stop us from taking ground. Philippians 2.15 says, so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. That's what we're doing. We're shining like lights. We got a job to do. John 9.4, Jesus says, as long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. See, there's gonna come a time when it's 
time out, game over, it's done. And until then, we just keep working. We just keep taking ground. We keep moving forward. And don't let the devil knock you off the game because it's evil all around us. We're still doing what we're called to do. And so we're not gonna fear, we're not gonna be passive, we're not gonna circle up, and we're gonna keep moving forward. And there was a, a prophetic word that was shared in our staff meeting. One of our staff members felt this, wrote it down, and we we're just praying about take ground. And it said, do not be afraid for every new level of faith and boldness I will surpass with new levels of provision and protection. You cannot take too many steps in obedience. You cannot take too big a step in obedience. My provision will be with you. My arm is not short. My resources are not limited. There is more. There is always more. I may not show you the destination, but I promise to be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Do not be afraid to take steps in obedience. I go before you and I will be with you every step. No fear. No fear. Now, we're moving forward and taking ground, and I want you to know that God is using our church with our campuses. Um, many of the campuses have said they're ready to launch for uh, uh, the extra service for Saturday night up in the future. Some are looking, I mean, some, I heard one of the campuses, I believe Egan is doing Monday night. I think that's right. Is it right? Yeah, Egan, we've got some Egan people here. They're like, yeah, all right. Uh, we're, we're, going, we're going for it. We're taking ground. We're moving forward, and it's not going to be perfect, but we're taking ground. Now, I want you to understand that every little piece of taking ground makes a difference, okay? You say, well, I, I, I'm just starting a small group. It makes a difference. I, all I did is sign up to minister and I'm gonna be a greeter. It makes a difference. All the pieces added together make a difference. You think, well, I don't know, all I'm doing this year is I'm going on a global team. It makes a difference. And I wanna show you something that happened from a global team. This blows my mind. I didn't know about this until February of this year, and it is incredible what God did starting with a global team. So I wanna show a couple pictures here. There's gonna be a few of them. This is Norlin and his wife, Katya, all right? They are in Cuba. Uh, about eight years ago, we sent our first global team to them. And when we sent our first global team, they had a great time. They had one site, one location. Then we sent two more teams to them over the next couple of years. So he says to the missionary that is with him, he says, this church is different. This River Valley is different. He's like, when these teams come here, there's something about them. Like, he's like, I've talked to the young people and the old people. I've talked to people that have only been a Christian for six months. And I've talked to people that have been a Christian for like 26 years. He said, they're all like, got the same DNA. They're all talking the same thing. They all are full of life, full of the spirit, full of joy. They're on mission. They talk about the 500. Like he said, I want to go to America and I want to visit this church. So he comes to America, visits the church, and he meets with all sorts of the pastors on our team. He comes to church here. We go to dinner. He's just peppering me with questions and our team, and he's asking questions at staff meeting, everything. And he leaves here and says, I can do multi-site. He had one church in Cuba, and he goes, I can do this, I can do multi-site. So he goes back and starts two more sites, and he's doing multi-site. And then he's like, I can do more, I got this, I can start a network. And he says, I can, I can start a network, because River Valley has River Valley Network, and they're training up pastors. He goes, I'm gonna start a network like they do, and I'm gonna start training pastors. So he does, I think we got a picture of the network. He gets this network, it gets a thousand pastors in his network. 
and says, I wanna start training you. And he says, I want you to do that. Then he gets a good idea. He's like, how am I gonna reach Cuba? Like I got all these people that don't know Jesus. What am I gonna do? He said, I'm gonna do Bible study, like small group Bible study. We're just gonna study the Bible. And he gets a hold of 10,000 Bibles and starts doing Bible distribution. So we got pictures of that. He starts doing Bible, and these crowds are coming for a Bible. And while they come for a Bible, he preaches to them and gives them the gospel message. And then he gives the people the Bible. Look at them, how joyful they are in this picture with the Bible. Look how happy they are. And they got kids' Bibles, and he does that. And, um, and, and so he does this. And by the way, um, Kingdom, Builders just paid, Kingdom Builders just paid for 30,000 more Bibles for Norland for Cuba. And he said, he said, most people would not know what to do with 30,000 Bibles. He goes, I already got my plan. I already got it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Send them. And so we paid for them. They're, they're uh, being shipped to him in a big canister. Okay. From there, he says, you know what? Um, I, I'm going to start Bible studies. And I, the people that get the Bibles, I'm going to tell them to do a Bible study and, and do this. And so from that now, he has started, ready for this? 13,000 Bible studies. He has 13,000 Bible studies going with six to eight people going in them. If we just use seven, he has 91,000 people in Bible studies. This is, when, I, when I was hearing this in February, I about fell off my chair. I, I was at a banquet and they were like, and River Valley, you didn't know. I was like, how did I not know this? And, and, and he's doing this, and, and he, here's what he told him. He, he said, go to the most influential person you know and ask them to have a Bible study. He goes, I don't care if they're the biggest sinner in the world. I don't care if they're a mean person or a nice person or a Christian or an evil person. Go to the most influential person you know and ask them if you could do a Bible study with them. Tell them to invite their friends and just read the word of God and say, what do you think we should do with that? And he said, so they read these passages. What do you think we should do with that? And he reads the right, you know, different passages. And he goes, what do you think we should do with that? And people are getting saved. Getting saved so much so that the other day he did a water baptism. And I want to show you, he baptized 618 people in a baptism. Yeah. Yeah, so there he is, like, look at him, like, walking through there. He looks like Billy Graham. Yeah. He said, he said, our next baptism, we have 1,000 people signed up for the next baptism. And he said, he said, I'm sorry for the team that's coming in October, you know, uh, unless there's more revival. We only have about two to 400 that will be baptized when the River Valley team comes in October because we just did 1,000, you know, right before that. All right. That's revival. That's taking ground. That's moving forward. That's saying like, it doesn't matter, I'm moving forward, but there's more. I mean, he's like getting inspired. He has 1,000 volunteers now inspired by our prison ministry. And he's got 1,000 volunteers now that are ministering in 22 prisons in Cuba right now. And then he said, daycare. Cuba gave permission for more daycares to be built. And that's never happened before. If you know about Cuba, two things that are untouchable are uh, children and medical, okay? That's theirs. They own that in this communist country. And they said, we want daycares. We want daycares. So River Valley, we sent them money 
to build a daycare center as part of Kingdom Builders. And I think we got a picture of that. That's going, that's right fresh. Uh, the walls are now all the way up and the roof is on. And he said, I want it built. And this is a, a, a drawing of what they want it to look like. Go ahead, there you go. This way. And then he said, you know what? It's so sturdy and it's so well built. He's now making it a two-story building. And with every daycare we do through Kingdom Builders, he's putting a church on top of the daycare. And all the Sunday school teachers from the church are the new teachers in the daycare. He said, they're gonna learn reading, writing, arithmetic, and a whole lot of gospel, all right? This is revival. This is something that God inspired you to say, well, it doesn't matter, little thing, little thing. People that love Jesus signed up for a global team, made an impression on a young man in Cuba that thought one church, one location was his destiny. He caught a vision of a church that was on fire that said, we wanna take ground. Before it was ever our theme, he saw it in our DNA. He caught that and now he's excelling. And I pray that he does even more than we could ever do. I pray that it lights a revival fire all throughout Cuba. And, and, and I just keep thinking of all the different, he's, he sent three missionaries to Spain to reach Muslims. And they said, these are the best missionaries we've ever had. Can you send us more? And he said, well, every time I send you missionaries, I lose my best leaders. But he keeps raising up and he's sending them there because he's like, I'm on mission. We're gonna change the world for Jesus. The, the people in Spain said, we love what you're doing so much. Norlin, would you leave Spain? And we'd like to pay you an incredible salary to leave and leave Cuba, I'm sorry, and go to Spain. Would you leave Cuba and go to Spain? We wanna pay, pay you an incredible salary to leave. And he prayed, and think about it, he's in communism. He makes $30 a month US dollars, $30. Gas is $1.75 a gallon, if you can get it, but if you can't get it at the gas station, you have to buy it on the black market, $12 a gallon. To fill a vehicle would be $180. He makes $30. And Spain said, we'll pay you a handsome salary if you come because we see it all over you. He said, no, God's called me to Cuba. And I was so inspired when I heard this. I said, listen, how much could we give Norland to stay in Cuba that would help him, like accelerate him, like take away any gnawing, like, man, if I'd have gone to Spain, I could have taken care of my family better. I wouldn't be living in communism. I went to Spain and I said, what if River Valley added him for $250 a month to stay in Cuba? And the missionary started crying. He goes, it would change his world. So River Valley, you've added him for $250 a month to stay in Cuba and to bring revival to Cuba. Come on, you talk about weather not being perfect. He's in a communist country with $12 a gallon gas, making $30, being called like, come on over to Spain. Says, no, I'm staying there. He's like, I'm staying, I'm building the church. I'm taking ground. I know that there looks like there's dark clouds all around us, but God's still on the throne. Yes. We're taking ground and we're not waiting for perfect conditions. And we see that the days are evil and we're gonna make the most of every opportunity. So I'm praying for our church that we will continue to inspire, give, go, send, and, and take ground in Jesus' name. Maple Grove needs a building on that land. Chaska needs a place. More campuses to start. More of the 500 to send. We just sent like 192, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. Come on, we are taking ground in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give God praise here at all. We're taking ground. We're taking ground. 
It doesn't matter if it's not perfect, we're taking ground. So God, I pray right now that we would take ground in Jesus' name. We aren't gonna wait for perfect conditions. We're seeing the conditions we've got right now and we're gonna take what we have and put it in the hands of the miracle working God and say, multiply it, take ground. God, change the weather, do whatever, or help us to endure the storm and to take ground. We pray for Norlin and Katya, and we pray that they would continue to flourish and grow and multiply in Cuba. We pray for all the other stories all around the world, some that we can't even share because they're so sensitive, but God, you're helping us to take ground. So we recommit, we recommit. It was around us, but God put it back in front of us. Take ground, take ground. Help us to have new ideas and to realize today's the day to take ground. We're not waiting for perfect. We're going right now and we're taking ground. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. One more time, come on, let's thank God for all that he's doing.